hey, man, I need your help. <laughs> Somebody, He-Man must have tightened that thing up. I have been working out, but obviously not enough. <laughs> I mean, good grief. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. All right. Psalm 100. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, it will be on the screen. And I'm going to ask, Lacey, that you just keep it up on the screen uh, for us this morning. That'd be great. If you've been with us for very long, you know that my favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. Can I get an amen? I love it. I actually prayed at the beginning of last week. I prayed, God, would you please just take this week and just slow it down so we can just enjoy, you know, a, a longer. And, you know, it still went by a little too fast for me. But it was a great Thanksgiving for us. We got to go and visit some family in West Virginia that we hadn't seen in several years, and it was just great to be there, great to, to eat with everybody and to see everybody and to experience that. Thanksgiving is by far my, my favorite holiday. Uh, with that said, I always feel like Turkey Day gets gypped. I don't know if you feel that way. I always feel like it gets gypped because it falls in between Christmas and Halloween, right? Everybody kind of gets geeked up about Halloween, and then, of course, everybody gets excited about Christmas, and I feel like that Turkey Day kind of gets lost there in the, mi- in the middle of it. Now, it's not that I don't like Christmas. I do like Christmas. I have nothing against Christmas. I like it even more now that I have kids. Before kids, I could take it or leave it. Now, I love, I love seeing the kids get all excited and get geeked out about Christmas, but just by a show of hands, uh, how many of you guys started decorating for Christmas before Thanksgiving? Before Thanksgiving, Okay. Several of you did, right? Um, how many of you started listening to Christmas music before Thanksgiving? Most every you can't help it, right? It's on the radio. It's like you can't get away from it. Q98 started playing Christmas music like three weeks ago, right? And I'm like, what in the world's going on here? I feel like uh, each year, Christmas uh, kind of, they start celebrating Christmas or getting ready for Christmas earlier and earlier and earlier, right? Before long, you know, we're going to be celebrating July 4th, and then the next day it's like it's Christmas time. You know, like people start decorating for Christmas and getting ready for that, and it's just, uh, it's just crazy. Black Friday is no longer Black Friday. Right? You can start shopping on Turkey Day evening, right? I mean, you don't even have time to get your food digested before you can go out and start shopping for the greatest deals, and um, it's just it's crazy. Like I said, Turkey Day gets chipped. But the reality is, is we don't need a holiday for us to, to be thankful, do we? Scripture tells us to be thankful in everything and, and in all circumstances. That's 1 Thessalonians 5.18. And there are tons of other scriptures that we could pull out that where it's really commanded. It's an imperative to be thankful. The truth is we have so much to be thankful for, but oftentimes we find ourselves overwhelmed with the burdens and, and, and of life and just worried about tomorrow. And oftentimes we find ourselves complaining about our circumstances and forgetting that we have a God who has promised to always be with us and to never leave us or forsake us. And so the Bible was full of verses that actually command Christians to be thankful. And so what I want us to do for the next few minutes is to look at this psalm, Psalm 100, and talk about how we can live our lives as one big thank you to God and, um, and after all, Thanksgiving isn't just a holiday, right, that we celebrate once a year. It's, it's something we do every year. We're, we're thankful every, every day, um, all year long. 
And then once we, once we read through Psalm, once we kind of talk about it for a few minutes, what I'm going to do is we're going to take communion together, and then I'd like to pass the mic around and just have folks uh, share uh, what you're thankful for, what uh, God is doing in your life, uh, thing, things like that, okay? So we're going to have kind of a share Thanksgiving service. Are you guys excited about that? So I've, I've told you up front, that's what we're doing. I've, 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 I talked to my buddy this past week on the phone because he's done several of these at his church, and I'm like, man, I'm always worried about this because what if nobody shares? He said, well, that's, just, that's the risk you take. So I'm letting you know up front, all right, that we're going to be doing that in about 15 or 20 minutes or so. Just be prepared. And uh, we're going to let the Holy Spirit just go with it, okay? You guys excited? All right. Did you, did you say no? You said go. Go. I said no. That's the first time that's ever happened. What do I do? Okay. <laughs> All right, Psalm 100. We're going to walk through this. And I want you to notice the inscription at the top of the psalm. It says, a psalm for giving thanks. Now, it's the only psalm that has that inscription. Most people believe that this psalm would have been sang by the people of Israel on their way to the temple to offer sacrifices to the Lord. And so let's read it together, uh, and then we'll kind of walk through it. It says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. And we are his, we are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. So if we take a moment, I'm going to leave this up there for a second. If we look at the structure of this psalm, I want you to notice that verses 1 and 2, he uses words like joyful noise, serve with gladness, and singing. And then in verse 4, he says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise, give thanks to him, and bless his name. So verses 1 and 2 and 4 are all joyful emotions. Right? His life is, is, is overflowing with this thanksgiving. But in verses 3 and 5, they're about truth. They're about knowing, right? He says, know that God is God, that he made us, that we are his, that we are his people and the sheep of his pastor. And in verse 5, it says, for the Lord is good, his steadfast love endures forever, his faithfulness to all generations. And so all this joyful emotions, all of this worship, all of this praise, this singing and this giving thanks is rooted in in the truth of the gospel. See, what the psalmist is doing is he's taking inventory of the greatness and wonder of God. He's reflecting upon them. He's dwelling upon them. And he is going over them until he can't contain them anymore. And he's making a joyful noise. And he's uh, entering the courts with thanksgiving. And he's singing and serving with gladness and all these things are overflowing in his life as he thinks about the truths of the gospel. And so the psalmist is calling us to know something. See, that, that's the link between verses 2 and 3 and 4 and 5. In other words, if you're going to come to God with joyful singing, know something to base it on. Let it be rooted in the truth of the gospel. And so the psalmist is commanding God's people to dwell on the truth of God and then express it, just as he's doing. 
And so he's, he's calling us to feel and express joy and gratitude because we know something about God. And so the very first thing we must know, he says, know that the Lord, he is God. Now we just sang about it, right? God is God alone. There is no one like him. Now that may sound like a no-brainer, but the reality is, is because of sin in our hearts, it's very easy for us to create other little gods, other little idols in our heart that take the place of the one true God. Now listen, this can be very subtle, right? It could be, it could be the God of achievement. It could be a God of relationships. It could be a God of money. It could be a God of acceptance. It could be the God of control, the God of comfort, the God of pleasure, right? You think about all these things, that, 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 that if I have those things in my life, I'll be happy. I'll be satisfied, right? We look to those things to, to bring meaning and purpose in our lives. And the problem is these things were, that we've elevated in our hearts can never give us what we're looking for, right? It's like those it's like those knockoff brands that try to tell you their product is as good as the real thing. You guys know what I'm talking about? You guys uh, familiar with those knockoffs? Like, for instance, like, I, so my favorite, if I was to drink soda, my favorite soda is Dr. Pepper. But they have a knockoff brand, probably several of them, right? But Dr. Thunder, you guys familiar with Dr. Thunder? Right, so Dr. Thunder tries to, tries to promote their product and says, hey, we're just as good as the real thing. Have you had Dr. Thunder before? It's yeah, it's not as good as Dr. Pepper is. It? It's not. They look they look the same, right? But it just doesn't deliver. Or how about Fruity Pebbles? Right, that's the real thing. Yeah, you guys, I had to throw that in there, right? I almost brought the box up here, but I decided against it. Uh, but they come out with Fruity Rice, Fruity Rice, right? And the box, you know, they make the box look good. It's like, oh man, and you, you go for it, like man, it looks just as it looks good. But when you taste it, it's just not as good as Fruity Pebbles. Uh, they look similar. They promise the same sweet uh, goodness, but they just don't deliver. I know it's a silly illustration, but the point is, listen to me. God is God alone. There is no one like him. And other things only distort our lives because we constantly live in fear and anxiety that we will lose those things. Man, when we're trying to have control and control everything, we'll constantly live in fear and anxiety that we're going to lose control. Or acceptance, or, or wanting people to like us. We're going to constantly live in fear that people don't like us. And the good news of the gospel is, is we don't have to do that. Because God accepts you and loves you because of Jesus and what he has done for you on the cross. And so when we realize that, when we know the truth that, that God is God and there's no other God out there, then we will no longer be enslaved by those things. And so the psalmist is telling us to know that God is God alone. Secondly, he says, man, you need to know that God is your creator, right? We, listen to me, I don't know if you know this or not, but we didn't make ourselves. Did you know that? <laughs> we didn't make ourselves. We were totally dependent on God for our very existence, I think we forget this, right? We forget this, and we can begin to have this attitude of entitlement. Right? When, you be, when you begin to think that, that, that you, you, you think that, that you, you, you uh, are, are uh, not that, when we begin to think that we deserve something, we begin to have this, this attitude of entitlement. We can become a complaining person rather than a thankful person, right? Because I uh, arrogantly assume that, that I'm a deserving person. I place myself in the center of my own little world. 
And so we need to remember that, that, that God is our creator, that we didn't create ourselves, right? The very, the very breath in our lungs, right, is a gift from our creator. The psalmist is calling us to recognize that everything I have is based solely on the grace and mercy of God. I have nothing, right? Job in the Old Testament said, I came, I came uh, from my mother's womb naked. I, I will go to the grave naked. And so the implication that the psalmist draws out is not that we are vulnerable, but that we are cared for. Because the very next thing he says is that we, to know that we are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Right? In other words, since he made us, we belong to God. He is going to care for us. He, he loves us. We are not our own. And the way he relates to us is like a shepherd relates to a sheep, right? Jesus says in the New Testament that he is a good shepherd, uh, that, that he provides green pasture and he still waters and he knows us by our name. Therefore, the psalmist, because of these things, because of knowing these truths, he's going to make a joyful noise in verse 1 and 2. Serve the Lord with gladness and come into his presence with singing. So that's the connection from verses 1, 2, and 3. And then in verse uh, 4, he says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name. And then verse 5, look at it. It starts out with the word for. For the Lord is good. For means the goodness of God is the reason, the basis, the foundation for entering his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise and blessing his name. Right, for means because, because the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness endures to all generations. And so verse 3 emphasizes God's authority and power, that he is God alone, his creator, he owns us. And verse 5 underlines why all that authority and power is good news, because he is good. Because he is faithful, his love endures forever. So if you think about it, man, when the psalmist is writing this, he's writing this before the cross, before Jesus. How much more should we today, after knowing the love of God in Jesus Christ, be thankful and, and praise him for, for who he is and what he's done? Right. Listen to Colossians 2, verses 13 through 14. Uh, Paul writes, he says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. So when you and I sinned, right, we have this debt against God that, that we can't pay, right? We're deserving of death. We've been separated from God, and yet Jesus comes and he pays that debt. He cancels all of our debt that he set aside, nailing it to the cross. Romans 5, 6 through 8 says, For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for the righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's good news, isn't it? Man, God is good. God is loving. He is faithful. He will, and he will... Be this forever. It says his love endures forever because Christ paid the price for our sins. That, that's what we need to know. 
and not just us, but look at, look at verse 1. It says, a song for giving thanks. Oh, not, that's not verse. Is that? Oh, yeah. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. What does it say there? What's the next line? All the earth. All the earth. Not just the Jews, not just the Israelites, but the Gentiles and everybody, right? Make a joyful noise. All the earth. This is good news for everybody. Because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ, we can express thanks through joyful emotion, through joyful noise, praise, and serving the Lord with gladness. That's good news. And so what we want to do now is we want to go into a time of communion, and I just want to share with you, kind of continuing this theme of Thanksgiving. You know, we do this each week, and sometimes we, we, we call it the Lord's Supper. Uh, sometimes it's just simply called communion. And I don't know if you've ever heard of it called the Eucharist. Have you heard it called the Eucharist? You know, I, I learned something this week. Actually, I didn't know that. I, I'm ashamed to say I didn't know it before this week. But the Greek word uh, for Eucharist actually means uh, thank, thankfulness. Thank you. And in Matthew 26, 26, I believe it is, where Jesus is having this meal together with his disciples, um, he, he says, he, he, he takes the bread, and it says, he tells what he gives thanks. And Jesus says, this is my body uh, that is for you. And in the same way, he took the cup of the new covenant, and he said, and it says he gives thanks. The, the word there is Eucharist. And so that's what we do. Every single week here at Chester Christian Church because we want to give thanks. We want our life to be one big thank you because of what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. So I just want to encourage you this morning as you uh, take the bread and the juice that the men are going to pass out to you. Uh, man, we just want to give thanks. We say thank you, God. Thank you for uh, the victory that we have in Jesus. Thank you for loving me. and Thank you for sending Jesus to down the cross for my sins. I mean, that, that, that's what we're doing each, each week. We remember what he did for us. We give thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus, for doing this. So would you join together and do that? Come on, guys. Pass out the trace.